Richard Bexon hails from England originally, but has lived in Costa Rica for, geez, what, Rich, over 15 years. 17 years now, yeah. 17. He began his career in travel sales, but has recently branched out into tourism and investment consulting services. He hosts a super popular podcast on these topics and has his finger on the pulse of that magical place where tourism meets real estate. I have worked with Richard as a collaborator, friend, and business partner for the better part of two decades, sucking down hundreds of beers along the way, I might add. Rich, let's talk tourism. Let's do it. So on my uh, very specific hyper niche podcasts, some folks might be wondering why I'm having somebody on who's in real estate. Uh, but I think you and I have long had this discussion. The world of tourism and real estate seems to be worlds apart in terms of the humans who inhabit them. But to anybody observing, these things are obviously related. What do you think it is that tourism doesn't get about real estate and real estate doesn't get about tourism? It's a great question, Case. You know, I think that you and I, during our years, have kind of seen the two things kind of merge, but I don't think the industries have really merged. Um, you know, and it's conversations that we've had with, you know, hoteliers and also people in real estate. I think tourism really understands client service, what people want, the experience case. They understand room layout, spacing, size, flow, you know, and, and building something that's going to have continual use. Um, you know, because again, they, their business is basically it's, it's, you know, it's, they have real estate that people are using constantly and they're mm -hmm. delivering experience. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think they really understands where to build, meaning they're always going to look for that area that's in high demand. Um, you know, they haven't, they can see stuff probably before tourism does, even though sometimes tourism comes first. Um, you know, but I think that they, they can really understand is where to build. Um, because again, real estate's not going to be built or developed, you know, in an area where, you know, there isn't demand. So I, the two need to be together because that they do work together. I mean, case, how many times have we seen tourism areas that are developed first from tourism, like Tamarindo was a tourist destination that then real estate came, you know, there aren't that many destinations where it's been real estate and then tourism came. Yeah. Kind of the old joke. Uh, I think the, the key word that I picked up on, you just said is experience, right? Where, um, a lot of, a lot of folks, you know, I had my little time in Panama in real estate and whenever you're showing people an up and coming area, the first thing they're trying to imagine is, well, what would I do here? Right. Yep. And I guess that's the word experience, right? So tourism is all about curating these experiences back to Panama for a second. You know, I love my, my silly little marketing slogans and Panama was always more obsessed with the real estate side of tourism the bricks and mortar, the square feet, the gold faucets. So when, you know, trying to kind of bring people around more to the Costa Rica experiential way of thinking, it's like, well, people are buying the stories, not the Correct. square feet. How does, how does real estate need to get better at selling the stories that maybe we've been great at in tourism, but probably tourism needs to get a little bit better about like the dollars and cents of the square feet, right? Like if you yeah. could, if you could merge, the, if you could have them swap brains, what would you have the real estate guys teach the tourism guys and vice versa? 
That's a great question. I mean, the tourism side, easy case is room layouts. I mean, the amount of time that I, you know, I'm working with a lot of people building at the moment because, you know, Costa Rica, you know, in 06, 07, went on a huge, you know, 05, 06, 07 expanded drastically. You know, it was building. I think the whole world was. Right. 08, of course, it happened. Then it just was really kind of somewhat stagnant for 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. It started to pick up again, you know, but, you know, I think, you know, tourism looks at something, and this is where I always say to people when they're looking to build, and this is why I say it is because people, there is not tons of product out there that people are looking to build now. Yeah. Um, and when they're looking to build, I always say to them, make every single room the same. And they're like, what? And I'm like, make every single room like a hotel room, have right. a king bed, night tables, have double vanities. You know why? Because I don't know whether you've ever traveled case before where you've been paying with multiple couples and you get there and you get the crummy room. Yeah. Nobody wants to be paying the same amount for the crummy room. Yeah, it's always a drag. So make the rooms all the same, you know. But also is, you know, the one thing I'll say about real estate is they make great outdoor space as well. They make mm -hmm. a great use of the outdoor space that, you know, Costa Rica is about... Um, you know, Costa Rica is about spending time outside. So while the room may be great, the outside needs to be fantastic as well. And a lot of outside dining, the pool needs to be amazing. Um, you know, and we're kind of starting to see that real, you know, that real high class money starting to come into Costa Rica and some amazing stuff being built. Mm -hmm. You know, but I, I think I think the thing case is the two aren't separate. They're together. If you're building something, you're probably going to end up renting it. But also you've got to think about reselling it as well. I always say to people, think about your exit strategy. I wonder what percentage of luxury homes in Costa Rica are rented. I'd say a good chunk case. I think a real huge amount. Um, more than half? Yeah, I would say more than half. Back to yeah. real estate for a question for, for a moment. Um, obviously, like most, um, I guess, interesting destinations in the world, Costa Rica real estate is on fire right now, right? What do you think all the excitement's about? Well, I mean, there are two things that I think are fueling it and what the excitement is. Number one case, people have an excess of cash. In the US, you can't get the spread that you used to get. You can't buy something at 300,000 and then it turns to 600,000. You know, people are thinking that now they're paying something at 600,000 and maybe they're gonna get 657. And what you're getting, is nothing. I mean, 600,000 down here in Costa Rica can get you something nice, you know, and get you a beachfront, you know, kind of condo. So I think that's it. But also is I think that, you know, and I'll say even for me personally, cases, you know, COVID was a point where you stopped and you really analyzed everything in your life, you know, and I think it really allowed the treadmill to stop and for people to take a hard look at their life and go, okay, what's important to me? But I think that having been locked up or in, you know, you know, yeah, I mean, I suppose locked up for so long, you know, people are like, I'm not doing this. I'm going to a country, you know, where it's open, where people spend time outside, because, I mean, we may have closed borders for six months, but I mean, even those six months, I mean, we were all at the beaches, we were moving around. I mean, there weren't that many cases. So no. I, I think it's multiple things, you know, it's, it's cash. I think people really have that make a lifestyle investment, as I call it, you know, they're looking to make an investment if they can get enjoyment out of it, you know, definitely people are looking for more of that and especially millennial you know, millennials, basically, and people probably in their 40s, you know, they're looking for experiences. And I mean, you know, we go back to that experiences, they want experiential investments and these kind of things, you know, an investment in Costa Rica is an experiential investment. Yeah. Um, well, I guess quality of life, change of lifestyle. I mean, you reanalyze it. I mean, if you're stuck in a shoebox, you know, apartment in New York, you know, for, for weeks or months and then you go, why am I doing this? I could be 
you know, and then also the remote working part of it case has fueled it hugely as well. And then Costa Rica's digital nomad visa, the political situation, you know, around the world as well, people just getting tired and they just want to kind of, you know, they want to come to a country where, you know, the government just doesn't get involved in your stuff as much. Poor Avita sells, doesn't it? That's it, man. I mean, I, and I think you go, you know, you and I have discussed Panama for years. So if Panama was great with real estate. They just, they just forgot the solid foundation of a great experience. I think Costa Rica does a pretty good job of owning the word authenticity uh, and unique, unique to most of Latin America. There's also sort of a sense of equality um, where local surfer dudes and hedge fund guys rub elbows at the same bar after the yep. surf sesh. And there's not like a giant feeling of resentment or class consciousness. That's really rare. And I think they a lot of care. Yeah, and a, and a lot of people really appreciate that. And none of that, you don't feel unsafe, right? Let's go the reverse, though. Cold bucket of water time. You're talking to a lot of people. What's the first dose of harsh reality where they were like, oh, I thought I could buy, you know, two miles of beachfront for 10 bucks. What's What are the biggest mismatches of conceptions, you know, expectation versus reality when it comes to investing in real estate in Costa Rica? Awesome question, Case, because it's interesting when we start going down that with it, when I talk to a lot of people, whether it be, you know, people trying to, you know, invest in land or people building a big development or building a hotel here. Um, misconceptions, I mean, you know, or kind of like the big, you know, bucket of cold water. Um, you know, a lot of people are like, well, I can get 10% returns easy here, you know, um, and really is if you're doing it yourself, yes, you can, because a lot of people are looking for, you know, a lifestyle investment, but they also want some return. And that's not easy. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, because the reason being is you're going to need a property management company and they're taking anywhere from 20 to 40 percent, depending on the area. So your profit is basically being taken by the property management company. Mm -hmm. You know, But a lot of the time, if it pays the bills, people are happy and it appreciates. Um, one of the big things, Case, we don't see big, huge, you know, uh, you know, appreciations. We have seen it. But, you know, over the years, Costa Rica is like a steady eddy. You know, it's kind of two, three, four, five percent increases every year. You know, it's just, it's steady. Why? Because if you're not from Costa Rica, you can't get finance unless it's owner finance, you know, and that's a big thing here. Mm -hmm. I actually think it's good um, because again, it allows a more steady and sustainable, you know, development here in Costa Rica. Um, but then that also means that your demand is not so much. Um, so of course it doesn't see those, you know, it doesn't see what you've seen in the US where, you know, something, you buy something for 300,000, six months later, it's worth 500, 600,000. Asset bubbles. Yeah, and even yeah. for, even for, even for locals or residents, it's not like loans are cheap, yep. right? I mean, what's a, what's a typical home loan in Costa Rica look like? Seven and a half, eight percent over how 20, many? 30 years. Yeah, a fixed rate or variable rate? Usually they'll do fixed for the first three to five years and then it becomes variable after there. And, you know, I mean, I was talking to my wife about it the other day that I was like, wow, I mean, if you had a variable mortgage going into where we're going to at the moment, you know, I don't know what that's going to look like. I'm sure it's not the, you know, the 80s, you know, 70s and 80s where we saw, you know, teens inflation. But, you know, if, you're, if you've got something in the local currency, I mean, they're in the teens on that stuff. Yeah, it's called defaults or being yeah. upside down on your loan. You know, so when customers are asking, so obviously there's customer misconceptions or maybe they read something that's 15 years out of date. But on the other end, um, in these people who are, I'm assuming most of the people who are contacting you are coming from um, first world economies with really developed real estate. When they come down here, what's the product that's clearly missing? What are they asking for? They're like, oh, well, I'll just go buy a, an X. And you're like, no, we don't have that. 
I mean, I think we have it one way or another, but sometimes it's just condos case. We just don't have enough condos, you know, because a lot of the time condos are in buildings and to build here, you know, there is, which is a good thing. There is such environmental restrictions that it's difficult to build, you know, high rise condos and we don't do that here, but also is, you know, I mean, you know, or beachfront. I mean, you mentioned it there, you know, what's the big misconception, but also that's missing, you know, beachfront stuff. Why? Because if you're a foreigner, you know, theoretically, you can only have a concession. You can't own it. There's like 2% of beachfront land in Costa Rica that's titled, you, you know, that's Junquial, Flamingo, you know, and there's some other areas in Costa Rica that are, but 98% of the, you know, the first 200 meters back from the, from high tide is a concession. That means you kind of rent it. You don't own it, you know, from, from the government. People don't understand that. You mean, because everything is public here. It belongs to the people, which I think is great. You know, right. 25% of the country's national parks, the beaches are not private, meaning that even if you bought everything around it, someone could still drive up on a boat and get on your beach and there's nothing you can do because you do not own that beach, you know, nor the first 200 meters, um, which I think is right because again, when you go out on a boat and you look back, it's beautiful. You know, uh, it's not, it's not, you know, high rise after high rise. There are areas that are like that where Hako, where there are, you know, condos kind of on the beach, but they're still set back a little bit. Um, but that's probably what's missing case that and, you know, also what's missing at the moment is more kind of affordable, affordable homes in the 250 to kind of 350 mark, there's just not much there at the moment, you know, people are building, you know, mainly, you know, the higher end of that, um, because again, a lot of the cash, a lot of people here are cash buyers, right. uh, you know, so typically people have the cash to buy a very affluent anyway, so they're buying something big, like, it's only the other day was like, Rich, are you really going to build six villas, you know, with for 5 million? And I'm like, it's not going to cost five to build it, dude. You know, it's going to cost about what? 3.6 to $4 million max. And he's like, wow, you know, in California, $5 million doesn't even get you anything on the beach. And I'm like, these are different worlds. True. Speaking yeah. of construction, what's when people are asking you what's typical per square meter or per square foot, if you can do the math, what's it cost here to build? You know, I usually say, Go ahead. Sorry, Case. No, I was just going to say, like, what's what's good quality and what's great quality? What can someone expect? Good quality is like 140, $150, 140, $150 a square foot. Good. And I mean, I think high end, you're looking at 200 to 250. I mean, but you're looking high, high end stuff at the 200, 250 a square foot. For, for our metric brethren, how does that translate into per meter costs? Per meter, I mean, I'd say good 1500, 1600, and then high end is 2000 and above. Okay. You know, so, I mean, the prices haven't increased hugely here as much as they have, uh, you know, as you know, case, I've got some friends that working have construction companies here. So I've watched the cost of construction and, you know, we've seen it increase by like 15%, you know, at some points 20, but Costa Rica creates its own cement. A lot of the wood is from here as well. The only thing that they import is really the rebar, um, you know, and everything else is here in Costa Rica. So, so, you, um, so builders are not reporting crazy changes in, in, uh, Cost to build? Not huge. That being said, case, I think it's about to start to hit the market though here. Um, and what about in any supply chain issues? Not hugely. There was a bit on the on the rebar front, but that seems to be seems to be solved. And the rest of it is, you know, I think kind of cost again, a lot of the stuff is produced here, um, or it's produced in South Central America. So it's, you know, the supply chains are really there. It's not tons coming from China. So talking about gaps in the marketplace, um, if you were to advise a would-be developer tomorrow who wanted to spend 20 or 30 million dollars whether in a tourism or residential project or, or jesus you know it could even be an industrial project where where are you seeing obvious opportunities if you 
if you're comfortable disclosing. No, not at all. I mean, I always say on the podcast case, you know, I mean, it's, you know, I'd always mention Playa Grande, Negra, Avianas, those areas, just because, you know, all the other areas are pretty built. I say built up, but they're nothing compared to Mexico, Hawaii. But, sure. um, but I mean that you can get very close to the beach or on the beach there. Um, you know, you're, so I think you're basically talking Guanacaste region south of Tamarindo. Correct. That would be Negra uh, and Avianas, Junquial, you know, between Nosada, uh, north of Nosada and south of Tamarindo or Hacienda Penina, all of that area. Or, you know, there's one beach, those beaches of like, you know, Bahia de Piratas, Playa Grande, you know, those areas. Uh, Grande has, you know, it's a national park, so they can't build anything there in mangrove, so it's protected. If you're looking for something a little bit more chilled, that's a great area with like an Did I lose you? Hello. Also, the southern areas, cases like Dominical, Uvita, Ojachao, Tres Rios, you know, those areas are seeing huge amounts of growth. And what would you advise someone to build? How, how do you do something different? How, you know, what are customers asking for? Where is the, their demand that's clearly not being met? Well, I, I think in the market, there's demand for vacation rentals with hotel amenities case. So if anyone's going to build anything, make sure it's got a kind of boutique hotel, you know, 20, 30 rooms on it. The reason being is, and then build real estate around it. Now, what's the real estate to build? I'd be looking at two, three, four, five, six bedroom properties case. I'd have some entry, you know, units at, you know, 300 to 400,000. And then I'd have some higher end stuff at like the million dollar mark. And I may even look at kind of more fractional ownership of some of those larger ones as well. So that if someone doesn't, someone's looking for a, I don't know, a million dollar property, but doesn't want, and they want to put in 250, they can do, you know, because again, you get four people at 250,000 and you've got your $1 million mark and you're not going to be in it a quarter of the year anyway. So mm -hmm. share some of the expense, um, you know, kind of, I suppose, Uber style that people are doing right now, um, you know, with someone. Can foreigners access uh, local credit? Are there, are there lenders? There are private lenders case, but again, they're going to be looking at the 8, 9, 10, 11, 12% mark. Those are, Shylock. Those are Shylock numbers. Yeah, it just, it'd be better case to, um, you know, uh, remortgage your home back in the US or take out a loan in the US and, and, and do it down here. Which or, I think. Yeah. I think or sometimes I, I sometimes suggest cases like, look, if you're doing that, maybe it's not, maybe this is not the move for you, you know, and I just try and give people, you know, I'm really honest with people, you know, I say I'm a sucker for giving honesty and of like, and helping people like, I had a client where I was just like, look, I'm getting the sense that like, this isn't really for you. And they were like, well, why do you say that, Rich? I'm like, well, you've got a place up in like, you know, New Jersey on the North shore, which appears to do like 12%. Why are you going to sell that and take that down here? Right. You know, make three to five in, a, you know, why would you not just take the returns from that and use it to vacation here in Costa Rica? You know, they ended up not buying, uh, of, you know, but I kind of, you know, if, if I'd have been a realtor case, I'd have sold them something. Um, You're like that Santa Claus in Miracle on 34th street. Yes, exactly. Oh, I, I just want to give people all the information and also my opinion and I always say that it's my opinion that it's biased. And if I don't know something, I'm going to tell them. I don't know. They'll not hear from me. I don't know, but I'll find that for you. On that topic, what are the big frustrations and headaches that you're hearing, seeing um, from would-be investors or newbie invest new new investors or people who've already purchased? I mean, what what are the problems you're trying to help them solve? Well, new one case is just finding their tribe. 
as they call it finding their tribe, which is really the area that really that they're looking for, you know, and sometimes I'm like with people with like, we're gonna have to meet three or four times for me me to really get an idea of like, what are you looking for? What are the experiences? What do you want? And the question I like to ask is what don't you, you know? and then from that, I'm going to be able to go, look, these are the areas, you know, that, that would suit you um, so that they can actually come down and see those areas, because otherwise you're just, you're putting a pin in a map if you've not been here before, even if you have. This country's coastline is so vast. You know, I drove the other day from like Central Pacific to the north of Guanacaste. You know, it took me six hours to drive that. You know, and it was like 200 kilometers for six hours. You know, Costa Rica takes a long time to get around. Mm. Um, so that's kind of like for new, new kind of investors, it's just really getting the lay of the land here. You know, and I can usually speed that very quickly up to people, you know, and show them stuff in all these different areas because realtors are usually area specific. Yeah. Um, you know, so if you've got, if you're in, I don't know, looking at Flamingo area and you're also looking at Nasada, they're not the same realtor, no. you know, or you're looking in Santa Teresa, that's a different realtor, or Hako, it's a different one, or Mount Antonio or San Jose, you know, they're all different realtors. You know, it's all very area specific. Uh, and there are tons of them. I mean, anyone can become a realtor here, you know, and sometimes like, Rich, are you a realtor? And I'm like, no, because like, I'm not trying to sell you anything. I'm trying to help you get, you know, and, and give you advice on what it is that you're looking at. And I'll call BS on stuff if I hear it. You know, and I often hear, you know, BS. Give me a good one. Give me a good singer. You don't have to name names. No, no, no. I mean, again, I'll just to give you one at the moment, you know, I just had I had an offer accepted today and they were a little annoyed because you know, the realtor was like, yeah, I bought the property behind this, you know. And then she also said, I closed, I, I'm closing on a property behind. And I was like, this just doesn't sound right. So I went around and knocked on that person's door and knocked at it. And they were like, yeah, it made me an offer, but like, we haven't signed anything yet. And I'm like, that's your view that you're going to get from your home just so that you're aware, right. you know. So, you know, it's kind of that kind of stuff uh, or, or the, hey, I don't know, you know, the Ritz Carlton's going in over there and, you know, oh, it's just like, the, it's the old classic. Until it's happening, I don't believe anything in Costa Rica. Yeah, that was always the classic, right, of uh, Oscar de la Hoya bought there in the last week. Yep. Um, um, you've been also, driving, I'm sorry. sorry you know, the other thing I'd say, okay, the pace of business is you know, uh, uh, is usually frustrates people, just doesn't happen as quickly. There's no MLS, it's very disorganized. You know, I'm, you know, I'm all, I always suggest to people, if you're going to buy something here, separate concerns, separate your realtor from your lawyer, from your escrow company. Uh, you know, and I hold people's hand a lot through that process just to make sure that, you know, there is cross-checking and kind of an audit process between them. So let's talk about that for a second. What do you think are the rookie mistakes? A lot of people when, you know, they sort of have, I think it's called Paris syndrome, right? Where you, yeah. you go somewhere new and you're like, oh, everything here is perfect and amazing. Or you're shocked that it's not perfect and amazing some people sort of lose their minds and not realizing like one of the great things about Costa Rica is it's not very litigious. One of the downsides of Costa Rica is that makes it basically buyer beware, you know, uh, people, people will fib. Right. Yeah. So on that notion of separating concerns of making sure that you choose your lawyer, not necessarily the realtor's lawyer, what are these sort of rookie mistakes you seeing people make? Well, I mean, that's one, you know, um, number one is kind of maybe just listening to the realtor a little bit too much on the price to offer, because again, the realtor is working typically for the seller as well as the listing agent, um, you know, so just be aware, just be aware of that. So when you go in with your offer, you know, make the offer that you think is best, you know, there'll always be somewhere in the middle uh, that you'll meet in the middle somewhere. That's one. Again, never work with a realtor that's also a lawyer as well, that's going to do the transfer for you. I've just seen, I've 
way too much stuff for that case and no offense to any lawyers or the lawyers that are lawyers, like just either be one or the other but my advice is don't touch that the reason being is because again then if your realtor is doing the transfer of the deed he's also the like getting the commission like it just it's too you know um incestuous if that's the word you know it, um that and also is don't use the lawyer's escrow either um you know again they might be lawyers but still just separate concerns and do a really deep due diligence. I mean, I can, you know, there are home inspections here, Case, and there are home inspections. There are home inspections that cost 600 bucks where maybe someone that's not registered that kind of looks at homes will go around and take pictures and like, you know, say this needs fixing or that. And then there is a deep inspection, which is what I always suggest to people to do when they're buying a, a home or a condo is mechanical structural uh, and uh, me mechanical structural and electrical engineers to come in. It costs like, you know, anywhere from 1300 to 1800. But like they'll check the roof, you know, they'll put the roof, the purling on the roof, the zinc, you know, they'll take a look at all the electrics, you know, and, and a, a home inspector doesn't have that knowledge, you know, and if you're going to if you're going to invest, you know, a couple of hundred thousand or half a million or a million, like spend the money up front. And I think that sometimes maybe they don't case they don't want to spend the money up front because they think that like, you know, it's an expense, whereas like, look, when you look at it, it could be. 0.25% of like the overall price. But if it's wrong, I mean, I spoke to a friend the other day, some woman lost $800,000 on a deal case because the realtor was the lawyer and also the escrow agent. Like, you know, and, and that'll probably get sorted. Um, but there's just, there just needs to be oversight, if that makes sense. Checks, balances, moral hazard. Uh, don't assume that uh, business law here is business law where you're from. Trust, but verify. Yeah, good, good point. You've been driving all over the country lately, talking to all sorts of people in various um, various uh, roles in the world of real estate construction, et cetera. Has anything really surprised you or blown your hair back? We're like, wow, I didn't know that. I didn't expect that. People buying sight and scene. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. I would never let anyone do that. If anyone ever contacted me and was like, hey, Rich, can you help me find something and buy sight unseen? I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, I'll find it for you. Um, I mean, I had a client once who was like, hey, can you find me a farm around the Arenal Lake area? And I found in the farm. He was like, great, let's do the deal. And I'm like, no, dude, like, I need you to come down and see this. Yeah. You know, and I need you to walk you around. And I, there's a river on it. It has a 50 meter setback. Like, there's no water on it at the moment, but you can get a concession from the well. That's going to take X period of time. Like, there's like, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, people buying land with no water case or people buying land with no water or buying water that say that it has water but it's not a concession it's not registered well uh, or it's not registered water the reason being is if you don't have water that's registered in this country you can't get a construction permit they can yeah. change that like two years ago so never buy anything you know that doesn't have legal water on it yeah that's probably the number one uh, rule right you, yep. need, you need water permits. Well, yes, you need the water permits in order to get construction. Or if you're going to buy the land, at least know that there is a huge risk with this. I just structured a deal for some big investors, some famous investors, where they were about to buy the land. And I said, no, guys, like we'll structure it that you don't close until we have well permits. We've drilled, tested to quality and quantity in order to make sure that you can build a wellness center here, like, you know, on a perforated well. But they were ready to buy, you know, that land, um, you know, basically with no water. It's cattle land. Like you won't get, you know. So I just structured the deal so that we don't close. We put money uh, in in escrow until we get, you know, basically X, Y, and Z. We figure out whether we've got it or not, 
If we don't get it, we pull back. We've only spent $20,000 on the well. Uh, but the, you know, the owner of the land, I was like, this doesn't work out. You now got basically a well, registered well on your property. You can go and resell that. Maybe they can't do a wellness center, but maybe they can put a couple of villas on it. You know, so it's finding that win-win situation sometimes. Back to tourism for a second. Yep. I think a lot of people in private equity expected to swoop in and buy a bunch of tourism properties for cents on the dollar in the crisis. Doesn't seem like it worked out that way. No. Why? I'm going to say some of it, Case, is the local market. It's the reaction of the market to basically let go of their staff and reduce costs, you know, quickly. The banks basically were allowed kind of like an 18-month kind of like parlay on payments. You know, they were basically deferral. And also the local market. I think that we were very surprised at how strong the local market is and how much money that they have. Like, typically, we don't see that much in Costa Rica because those people are typically going to North America, to Europe. You know, they're leaving. You don't see them here. Um, you know, so, I mean, people were willing to pay three, five, seven hundred bucks a night here in the, lo in, in the local market. But that's because, and I don't think people understand this, is there is a strong middle and upper class here in Costa Rica. Yes, the average wage might be like eight hundred bucks a month, but, but like, there are a lot of people making three, four, five thousand dollars on their own, and with a home, with another, you know, in a household, they may be making more than that. Mm. You know, so I mean, all of this land and these developments that we have here used to own to some used to someone used to own them beforehand. So that money, you know, when people came in and bought, has like trickled down. And there are smart people here. Yeah. Another kind of funny thing about Costa Rica, again, positive or negative, is bankruptcy law here is incredibly inefficient. Correct. Correct. Final question. Shoot. And then we can just sort of uh, gab on whatever you want to gab about. What do you think is the most overrated and underrated investment location in Costa Rica? Well, that's a great question. Okay, underrated as an investment case, I think Aranel, La Fortuna Aranel, doesn't have vacation rentals, has hotels no vacation rentals. I was talking to like basically one of the most like prestigious luxury resorts. They're about doing a, a real estate piece there. And I think they'll end up doing it, but like, like that's an area that receives a huge amount. I mean, 60% of our clients case in the travel company, you know, go to Aranel, you know, it's a huge amount of people. Everyone goes Aranel beach. And a lot of families. Correct. That and then also, you know, I mean, I'm a, I'm a sucker because, you know, I just bought land in San Gerardo de Otto, which, you know, you know, I'm a sucker for those highland areas because people, if people are going to go south, the Aranel south is a really long drive. That's like five hours, yeah. you know. So is there a way that they can get some of that experience in a southern area and then, you know, in an hour be at the beaches, you know, so more of those kind of rural destinations. And where do you think is maybe played out, saturated, overrated, or maybe the price to value doesn't quite work. No, Nosada and Santa Teresa. You think, I think jump, those areas have jump shark. Yeah, I, I think I think a construction moratorium is coming there, case just because from water. I don't know whether they're going to continue to give water letters uh, in order to build, just because you know it's just been an excess of of building there. Um, you know. You know, everyone's drunk in areas. Um, and I mean I can't say to people and depending on what they're doing you know is that like it's going to be you know you're going to have that spread you know over basically you know fine you know the equity play that you're going to have there it's just 
I, I believe stuff is overpriced in those areas. You know, those are places that are both a lot of fun to visit, but I don't know if they'd be fun places to live. I mean, Santa Teresa just has dusty roads. Um, you know, it's great to visit. It is great to visit, um, but they have traffic. It's dusty roads. There's no infrastructure really there. You know, Nasada has a little bit of that, but like it can get, again, there's dusty once you get off the main road there. Uh, there's just not much planning. Yeah. That makes sense. So it's like the hype and the interest, the infrastructure has not caught up. Correct. And I don't think it's going to, it may never catch up case. Um, you know, it just, again, the local municipalities don't have tons of money, so I'm not too sure. Maybe they will, maybe it won't. I mean, they got the road paved through Nasada, but it took like seven, eight years to be done. Um, I don't know when Corbin to Santa Teresa is going to get done, but, you know, if I would be looking at those areas, I'd be looking, you know, north at maybe Manzanillo area and south at Cabuya from the Santa Teresa Malpais. And if I'd look at Nasada, I'd be looking at Gaza or Junquial, you know, kind of more to the north area, Lagarto, Negra, um, you know, so... There's still, there's still, I still think there's a play in Tamarindo just because, again, as I say to people, it's when they're looking to build, the cost of construct is the same anywhere in Costa Rica, really. Maybe a little cheaper in, you know, the highland areas, but it's going to cost you the same really to construct. So spend the money on the location, you know, because location always works. Buy the location, you know. Any final tips to anybody who's thinking about investing in Costa Rica? I'd say just don't be in a rush. Not going to go nuts here. Um, take your time, you know, don't get caught up um, and, and find, get some allies, get some people in your own corner, um, you know, and just understand that, you know, I, I love realtors, they're great people, but just understand is that like, they're there to make, sell properties and make commissions. Um, and yes, in, in, they are nice people, but like their interests are not for you, it's selling the property. And I think there are some that won't let you buy something if it's not right for you, but, but again, it's, it's unregulated here. Right. I've always wondered who does the who does the realtor represent, the buyer or the seller? I don't know, Case. <laughs> Mercenaries. We love you, realtors. Got some good realtor friends. We do. There, are there, are, there are some good realtors. There <laughs> are some very good realtors out there. They're full of they're full of knowledge. Um, just yeah, it's just nice, especially if you've not been to Costa Rica before, you've only been once to so just have someone in your corner. Um, you know, and, and just understand that any, like, if you're looking to buy something, go around, talk to the neighbors, the pros and cons. Don't be like, what don't you like? Just say, what are the challenges? You know, if you could go back and do it again, what would you do differently? Like ask the questions, don't ask the direct question. Um, you know, and especially with local span, I love to speak to construction workers because they give you really the ins and outs of what's happening. You know, there was a property the other day, um, that had a Creek running down the back. And I said to the, I said to one of the construction guys, I'm like, does that ever have like, like, do you ever get floods here? He's like, yeah, last year we had floods. And I said to the guys, I'm like, like, let's move on, guys. Yeah, next. Yeah, exactly. You know, whereas nobody would have said anything. Well, Richard, it has been a pleasure. Uh, I'll finish with a quote from one of my favorite uncles. You can either get good advice or you can get free advice. So if, you come, so if you're coming to Costa Rica, you should probably get advice from uh, old Richard Bexon before you go slapping a million bucks down on your dream bed and breakfast investment thanks so much for for uh chatting with me rich let's do it again soon sounds good buddy thanks very much ciao